This is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and it's time for the New Hampshire News Recap. Every Friday, we cover the week's top headlines. This week, State Representative Ken Weiler resigned from his post as the House's top budget writer after spreading misinformation about COVID-19. And some school boards are receiving petitions from parents to revisit mask mandates. Joining us now to talk it all through is NHPR reporters Josh Rogers and the New Hampshire Bulletin's Ethan DeWitt. Hi, guys. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Thanks for the time. Um, Republican Representative Ken Weiler resigned from his position as chairman of the House Finance Committee this week after sharing a report with House colleagues that contained COVID conspiracy theories. Weiler has spread disinformation about COVID vaccines in his position before. Josh, why were people calling for his resignation now? Well, uh, the issuance of this 52-page report to other members on the fiscal committee um, sort of triggered this this uh, most recent push to, to get Weiler out of his job. And um, Governor Chris Sununu joined that. Democrats had called for Weiler to be removed before. Uh, and this 52-page report was you know, pretty out there. It, it, it said that vaccination amounted to, quote, the greatest uh, organized mass murder in, in the history of our world. That was on page one of this 52 pages. There was mm. stuff inside about, you know, live uh, tentacled creatures uh, lurking in the vaccines and, you know, a pretty really baroque array of... And he uh, claimed he didn't read through all this. He, he said he yeah. didn't read through past the first uh, f- few pages. But, you know, the first few pages, you know, contained some pretty uh, yeah. out there stuff. And, you know, so the distribution of that um, was the precipitating act, um, and but his clash with Commissioner Lori Shibonette over hospitalization rates uh, at, at, during a fiscal committee meeting was also a contributing factor, and um, certainly for Governor Sununu. And, and one thing that was interesting about Sununu's claim uh, w- was that he had been in talks with uh, House Speaker Sherman Packard for weeks over um, removing Weiler. So that suggests that it could have predated even Democrats' call to, to get Weiler out as fiscal, which began a couple weeks ago. In any, in any case, you know, it, it, it's happened. Yeah. And Governor Sununu had, had this to say. We'll play this piece of tape about uh, what he had to say about that. I meet with Speaker Packard every, every single week almost. And so it's been a discussion point for, for quite some time. So there he was saying that uh, he's been talking for a while about removing him. What, what, was, uh, what was Speaker Packard's uh, resistance to that? Well, I mean, from a kind of a separation of powers uh, perspective, I guess no le- no legislative leader wants the governor to be telling them what to do. And, you mm-hmm. know, the the incident, the, the, the backdrop of all this is, uh, is the legislature and the executive council going to accept $27 million in federal money to fund vaccination outreach efforts that the Sununu administration says is crucial? Uh, lawmakers and anti-vaccine mandate and anti-vaccine activists are concerned that there's language in these contracts that could force New Hampshire to implement and um, and enforce uh, federal vaccine guidance, some of which hasn't been issued. You know, everyone's awaiting. A, um, Governor Sununu, by the way, s- says that that's not the case, but all parties are awaiting a memo from Attorney General uh, John Formella on this. But in terms of the removal of... of um, of Weiler, uh, Packard's statement to that effect was, you know, I'm do- it's re- with reluctance and that, um, you know, he talked about Ken Weiler has been in the legislature for, for 30 years and that he's, you know, praised his institutional knowledge. But, you know, mm-hmm. Weiler would become a headache, which yeah. isn't to say that there aren't there is not a still significant number in the Republican caucus who who probably wanted him to stay and share a lot yeah. of his views, maybe not 
all the views and, in that 52-page report. And, and to be clear, Weiler's still a representative in the House. He is. Yeah. And and what, what this all means for the receipt of that $52 million is interesting. I mean, does it suggest that uh, that the legislature and executive council are more likely to go along, or does it suggest the contrary, that in fact people, you know, people may say, okay, Governor, Ken Weiler's out, that's what you wanted, but we're still not accepting that money. That's one thing that, that I'm trying to sort out now. Yeah. And as you said, Republicans of the Fiscal Committee uh, recently putting that $27 million in federal aid on hold. Ethan, did Weiler's criticism of the vaccine play to that decision? Uh, yeah, the short answer is yes, um, but it is complicated. So a month ago, back in September, when the Fiscal Committee voted to table this funding, um, they gave a few reasons, uh, and Josh kind of touched on some of them. Um, a, a, a lot of the skepticism they held was tied to the um, moves by the federal government, by the Biden administration to impose um, a mandate for um for employees in businesses <clears throat> that are over 100 people and other kind of mandates of federal workers. And so Republicans were tying these efforts to this money. The money does not ha um, include a mandate. These are federal contracts that would create 13 new positions um, that would help promote the vaccine and address concerns about it and would also help um, the 500 vaccine providers across the state to comply with New Hampshire's new vaccine registry. Now, New Hampshire's vaccine registry is, is common. We're, we're the last of 50 states to implement one, um, and it also does not mean a mandate. But during discussion last month, um, Republicans were bringing this up and saying, why should we spend money on these new positions when they could theoretically be used for a mandate? And as Josh noted, um, Governor Senior has been pushing back and saying it won't be used for a mandate. Um, that's where it was a month ago. Uh, as the weeks went on, the vaccine skepticism, um, particularly as expressed by Representative Weiler, began to grow. And I think you saw it kind of culminate in this document that was shared this week that ultimately led to his resignation. He's also said in other interviews that he has not been vaccinated. He's he's um, you know criticized the vaccine. He um, entered into a notable standoff with the top health official in the state, um, THHS Commissioner Lori Shibonet last month, where he falsely stated that 90% of those in um, emergency rooms are vaccinated, and she corrected the record that it is the opposite. So while there are other reasons that Republicans have given, the, the undercurrent, um, at least when it comes to Representative Weiler, is um, a, a strong skepticism and disbelief, really, in the vaccine. Okay. Josh, I want to ask you, what changes can we expect now that uh, Weiler is not the chairman of the Finance Committee? Well, he's, um, he's I mean, first off, Karen Umberger will replace him as chair of the Finance Committee, and statutorily that will put her uh, in, in charge of the Fiscal Committee. He's still going to be on the committee. Um, it's really hard to know. I mean, it, you know, we're, we're waiting this document I alluded to earlier from Attorney General Formella, and, you know, I'm trying to take the temperature of lawmakers now to see whether this... Um, will mean that there'll be um, kind of more comedy between the governor's office, the Sununu administration and lawmakers on this point or the opposite. I mean, you know, the the anti-vaccine, anti-vaccine mandate folks, the people who you know sh shut down the executive council meeting, um, you go on the social media platforms that they frequent and, you know, there's a, there, the, the, it doesn't seem there's a diminution in intensity um, from them and, you um, you know, uh, you know, this is interesting and how Governor Sununu handles this, given that, you know, he uh, a lot of his political reputation comes from how he's handled the pandemic. And while his handling of the pandemic may be popular 
with a good slug of the general public. It's not terribly popular with big segments of the House Republican caucus who, you know, fought him over emergency powers and believes that, and believe that he overstepped his rightful role. And certainly among people who are uh, prone to be skeptical of the vaccine and, and how the federal government is handling COVID, who, um, you know, liken him to sort of a potentate who, who, who needs to be uh, taught a lesson. Mm-hmm. It's Morning Edition on NHPR. We're recapping this week's news with NHPR's Josh Rogers and New Hampshire Bulletin's Ethan DeWitt. By the way, you can let us know about your thoughts and your questions by sending us an email to voices at nhpr.org or by leaving us a voice message anytime at 603-513-7790. Let's turn the attention now to, to school boards across the state. They're receiving petitions to hold meetings to revisit mask mandates. Ethan, who are the people behind these petitions and, and what are they trying to accomplish? Sure. So um, just to set the scene, I mean, as, as we've all kind of followed, uh, school boards across the state have made individual decisions over how they want to set their mask policies. Um, some of them have decided not to make masks mandatory. Some have decided to make them ma- mandatory conditional on what the COVID transmission rate is in the county. And this has created some backlash from parents who oppose these mandates, as well as, of course, some support from other parents. Um, what the new phase is, um, now that all these policies are in place, is parents who oppose the mask mandates are trying to use a legal um, maneuver that allows them to um, require a special school district meeting akin to a town meeting you would have in March. But um, there is a statute that allows you, if you can collect um, 50 voters in an individual district or 5% of voters, then you can um, require there to be a special school board meeting. So these are parents that are bringing these petitions, but they're also supported by um, some mandate skeptical organizations, conservative organizations, Reopen New Hampshire is one. Um, There's another organization called the Government Integrity Project that is another um, that have kind of pushed out a template that allow parents to um, collect these signatures and force these meetings. But the question that's up in the air and has yet to be resolved is whether these meetings are actually going to be binding on the school board. So some, many of the school boards are holding these meetings, but they are consulting with attorneys and school boards are arguing um, that their lawyers are telling them that this is not an, a valid legal use of this petition power, that the petition power is really just for financial matters. It doesn't um, it wouldn't apply to policy and that if they do hold these, again, town meeting style votes. Um, in which residents of the town, uh, just like in town meeting, it would depend on how many people show up in the room, uh, will vote on uh, you know, a, a policy that would end a mask mandate, for instance, in a school district. School boards are arguing that that would only be advisory, that it wouldn't be binding. Okay. But that, hasn't, okay. that has yet to be um, tested yet. And so it's an open question. And school boards are all over the map on whether they're even going to entertain the petition and hold the meeting. And if they do hold the meeting, whether they're going to honor um, the result because they don't see it as binding. Well, let me let me ask you, Ethan. I mean, there have been dozens of these dozens of these submissions so far. Are we going to end up in court in some way with these? You think that is where both sides are, whether reluctantly or not, expecting it to potentially go, and it really comes down to how these meetings go. Um, again, 
some these the school boards are kind of digging in, but the different boards have chosen different things. So some are are recognizing the petition, but saying because it's an invalid article that the petition is bringing, we aren't going to hold a meeting at all. Um, other districts are holding the meeting, but saying that we aren't, uh, you know, whatever the result is, we'll take it as ad advisory. So in those situations, what, you would have to wait for a result where a town did vote in favor of ending a mask mandate in schools. And if that happened, and the school board decided not to um, not to change its policy in the face of that vote, that's where you might see a lawsuit. And both sides are starting to prepare legal strategies for court because both sides acknowledge that it's likely going to end up in a superior court. Um, and there is some precedent to give school boards leeway here. Um, the uh, I've talked to an attorney who represents school boards who has pointed to past case law, but there's nothing definite yet. And so this is going to be a test for the courts and the people who are pushing for these petitions say that they have their own legal strategy and that they're confident that these laws will support them and that um, you know the courts will side with whatever the vote goes. So it's very early for this, but we're seeing dozens of these across the state and it's the latest phenomenon and what have been, frankly, acrimonious meetings uh, for months. It's just the latest kind of legal tactic that has yet yeah. to be borne out. Yeah. And, and like you said, we're seeing uh, school boards and meetings all over the map with their decisions. But but I mean, it's getting more contentious, not less, isn't it? Yes, yeah. um, very much so. Yeah. And I think that everybody knows, uh, you know, a town meeting or a school board meeting in their area um, in which there have been um, you know, some very emotional um, things said. Um, right. uh, this is kind of, again, the culmination of all that. And it's, gotcha. and it's, and it's obviously not simply uh, COVID policy, <clears throat> excuse me, um, issues around teachings on uh, race and diversity have also mm -hmm. become a flashpoint in these meetings. And, you know, interesting this week that the, the national, the federal uh, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland issued, you know, a memo to the FBI about what the memo described as a disturbing spike in um, in sort of aggressive behavior at school board meetings across the country and, you know, pointed out that spirited debate is, is certainly protected under the Constitution, but, you know, efforts to intimidate maybe not. And right. so, you know, where that goes is also going to be interesting to watch. All right. We're going to have to end it there. New Hampshire Bulletin's education reporter Ethan DeWitt joining us on Zoom and NHPR's senior political reporter Josh Rogers here in studio. Thank you both for joining us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. You can find more of their work and all the stories we talked about this morning at nhpr.org and newhampshirebulletin.com. And tune in to Morning Edition next Friday morning. We'll have another round of the New Hampshire News Recap. I'm Rick Ganley, and you're listening to Morning Edition from NHPR.